a lot of developments in the healthcare debate right now with Donald Trump and Russia, which I am so looking forward to talking about. And Facebook is pissing me off lately, and I am going to go out on a limb with it. All this, plus net neutrality, plus a bunch of other crazy stuff, all of it is coming up. Get ready and tighten your seatbelts, because this is FritzCast! It's Monday, July 17th, 2017. It's 71717 is what it is. And it is, I would say it was a beautiful day. I worked all day. And as I get home, the clouds and the gloom and the doom all pile in. Figures that would happen when you have an evening off and you were thinking, hmm, maybe I could, uh, you know, start a bonfire in the backyard. Maybe, uh, maybe have some s'mores. Maybe uh, spend some time relaxing with my with my wife. All shot to hell today. Not for bad reasons. My wife left me a, a voicemail upon leaving work stating to stop by her work because she's taking a babysitting gig tonight that starts at 6 o'clock. And why would she come home leaving work at 5.30 just to turn around and go to a babysitting gig? So I don't have that option tonight in the luxury so I thought driving home I thought you know what it, it it'll be cool I can do my podcast maybe it'll be less or maybe it'll be more than just a Fritz cast Fritz forward because of the short week for me and maybe I'll go out back and, and start a fire you know just start a fire relax in my little zero gravity chair read a little bit more of the killer angels which I'm almost done and I'm looking up through my office windows and it is Cloudy! Thanks, Jesus. I know it's not his fault, but it's the precedence of the thing. I could relax out there and enjoy my time, but it's not, it's, it's just, it's not meant to be tonight, I guess. My wife, fortunately, she did get me like a sub for dinner to make up for the fact that she won't be here. So, you know, I'll enjoy that for dinner when I'm done. Uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, it is what it is, though. Uh, yeah, I'm on another week of uh, field training, which I have truly... I know I talk about this every time it happens, but I've truly become very passionate about it, especially when the group of people that I'm teaching are very receptive and thankful for what they're getting. The training that they get at my facility is bar none better than any training they get in any facility in the state of Delaware, and I'm proud to say it. I'm proud to say that I was part of building that up. Is it a perfect program? Hell no. Is it as long as it should be? Hell no. Something evolves every time with every new class that comes along. I implement something new or I change something up because a lot of this was done on the fly. So trying to figure it out and build a better program is a hard process. But it's fun, and I'm really enjoying it. And... Because of this, I've learned something. This is like breaking news. Hold on, let me bust out the music. Well, I'll be damned. Thanks to New Garage Band, I don't have any of these stupid little news clipping sounds that, that would make it sound like it was a news broadcast or a breaking news story. So, 
instead of doing that, I'll just say this. Uh, this this class, this 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 FTO class. I talk about Loy a lot on this program, I know. And let me just say this. Let me just say this. Loy. I was paired with Loy for this FTO class, and I was... <laughs> I can't... I can't even keep a straight audio for it. I wasn't dreading it. Loy's cool, okay? I rag on him all the time. He is a douchebag, okay? That is facts. That's not... That's not news. It's not an exaggeration. Loy is a douchebag. So I was paired with him for this class. Uh, and aside from last week, because he was at the beach or something, because obviously the beach is more important than training brand new officers in the facility. No, let's take a break and go to uh, you know Ocean City and enjoy life on the beach. Whatever, nerd. I was paired with him, and it's been it's been a real experience, and I found that he's not that much of a douchebag. He's a very passionate individual who really does enjoy being a part of things. And it's great. It's it's absolutely great. I uh, l- Listen to this. Listen to this. I am saying Loy is not that bad a guy. If I could have him on the program right now, I would. But I can't. So I won't. But that's just a little news blip out there. Loy is not that bad a guy. Can you can you believe I'm saying that? I can't believe I'm saying that. Thanks to the FTO stuff, I've been been fairly busy the past two weeks, which is fine. Which is fine. Saturday I had a good day with uh, Luther and Jay Sean. And by the way, just for everybody, just for everybody's generalized information out there, Jay Sean, uh, I'm throwing his bachelor party this this Saturday. So everybody send your props to Jay Sean in in your head. Send good positive vibes. Because one of the things we're doing for his bachelor party is paintball. And if anything, everybody please pray for me. If anything goes wrong, if anybody snaps an ankle, if if anybody gets a concussion, ends up in the hospital, that's just one of the things we're doing. We're doing a a host of other things uh, throughout the evening. But it's starting with paintball. Uh, please, please pray for me that nothing goes wrong. Because if if so, if something should, in fact, go wrong, I believe, I am under the belief that Luther will kill me. And Luther is an attorney who knows the law. And anybody who knows the law or is in the law, I'm in the law, and I know the law. Not, not, you know, ukle, ikspe, atinle, that kind of law. I don't, you know, I can't, I can't spit out Latin phrases. I can say objection. Objection! I can say that. But that's about the extent of my courtroom litigation law. Uh, because I don't, I don't have time to read pages and pages and pages of nonsense that I believe shouldn't even exist. Sorry, Luther. Not sorry, Luther. Libertarian here. I'm under the impression she'll kill me if something like that goes down and happens. So please pray for me and for everybody that nobody gets severely injured. Because their wedding is right around the corner in August and there'll be a wedding shout-out in August for you that you can all participate in or at least listen to. It is what it is. And it ain't what it ain't.
I mentioned Facebook too, and I have to get this off my chest before I forget about it. Before I even talked about it, Facebook. You guys, know, have you guys like you, you play around on Facebook on your phone or anything? You scroll through and the videos are audio playing. Um, audio playing, do it. Auto playing, and the audio is usually muted. You can just tap the screen to get the audio if you want the audio, and all that jazz. What's pissing me off is the ads. The ads that are in Facebook videos now. Sometimes I'm just wanting to watch a movie trailer that somebody shared. I'm starting to more so now filter out Facebook posted ones and find the ones that link up to YouTube and things like that. I'd rather sit me in front of a 15 second ad or a 30 second ad before I watch. Don't interrupt my video halfway through three times for your stupid little ads. I hate that I hate it it's dumb it's stupid and you're god damn you Facebook I hate it it is annoying especially when it's a video that somehow piqued my interest all these Prager you videos that I can't watch now because I want to watch it and I start watching it on Facebook and then you interrupt me with a stupid 30 second ad what the hell in the middle of a video I tried watching, uh, I think it was IGN. It might have been Santa Monica Studios. They posted the uh, the footage. It was new footage from the next God of War video game, which, by the way, is going to be epic and awesome. It was like a four-minute-long video, and these ads interrupted like five freaking times. It was excruciating. Okay, and that's just with something as cool as God of War. Imagine if it was like a Star Wars, like the new Star Wars trailer or something. There's no new Star Wars trailer. Don't calm your calm your bosoms. I don't know. Don't freak out. There's not a new Star Wars trailer yet. But if there was and you were watching it on Facebook, you'd probably get interrupted by a couple of ads and it would piss you off just as much as it's pissing me off. And this, mind you, is a first world problem. This is something that I shouldn't be talking about and complaining about because kids in 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 Uganda don't even know what a cell phone is, let alone have a roof over their head. Which makes me feel really really bad that I'm complaining about ads in Facebook videos. But I can't learn about the Ugandan children either if you're putting ads in the middle of the video and making me not want to watch it. So moral of the story can we just help the kids in Uganda is there even a problem there I don't even know so there I've covered being pissed off at Facebook it is what it is it's going to be great to finish out this week have another weekend I might have a four day weekend I should have a four day weekend I just bidded on some new days off Friday Saturday and I'm crossing my fingers that I get that because it would be it would be so great to have a piece of the weekend and it would just be great to have a piece of the weekend. I don't want to lose my four-day weekend coming up because it's going to be beautiful. Uh, it's going to be so freaking beautiful. And I'm looking forward to being able to go back and ride my bike every day. I would ride my bike right now, in fact. I'm just afraid that it would storm its ass off. And I mean, you got to see the cloud cover here. It is not looking so hot. My phone has come up with at least two status updates on on the weather from the National Weather Service. So, I'm concerned. That shit 
may go down. Pardon my French. But I am. I'm concerned about that. One of the other things I mentioned in the intro was net neutrality. I was going to write a blog post about this, mind you. Plug for the blog. Fritzcast.wordpress.com for all your Fritzcast needs, but especially for the blog posts. The last blog post this past week was on Amazon Prime Day, which, yes, my wife spent a buttload of money and got we got stuff from Amazon Prime. Mega discount on stuff. One of the new things I got was the new Guitar Hero, which I, I loved Guitar Hero back in the day. I love how they revamped Guitar Hero and made it harder now. It also frustrated me a little bit, but it's a learning curve. I've, I, I'm starting to get it down, and it's pretty cool. And I'm enjoying that. I'll probably play a little bit later today. So that was my blog post this week. One of the ones I was mocking up, though, was on net neutrality. Net neutrality is a funky, weird thing going down right now. And it all starts with, with the phrase, with the name, net neutrality. It makes it sound like this great thing about keeping the Internet neutral. And that's what it sounds like on the cusp. And I've been so... This is legit one of those things that I've been confused over, that I've been trying to educate myself on, and every which way I look at it, it, it's hard to try to decipher all the confusion surrounding this, quote, net neutrality that's constantly being pushed down our throats. So what's the deal? I've gathered some sources here. Um... to kind of clear the airways for those of you out there like me who are probably looking over this net neutrality thing. Um, it was real. It's real easy, by the way, to make a phrase like net neutrality and stamp keep our internet free on it and get everybody on board because it's the internet. Don't screw with the internet. We all love it. We all use it probably to a degree that we shouldn't use it. But uh, here's just some ideas. How about, uh, how about this? This was posted... On the Cato Institute's website uh, blog by Peter Van Doren and Thomas A. Fiery. Fiery! Quote, Yesterday, Federal Communications Commission Chairman Ajit Pai announced his intention to reverse Obama administration net neutrality rules governing the Internet that were put in place in 2015. Some commentators are criticizing the announcement as a giveaway to large telecom companies and an attack on consumers. But the Obama rules create some serious problems for consumers, problems that Pi says he wants to correct. Under the Obama rules, Internet Service Providers, or ISPs, are subject to a, quote, rate of return regulations, which the federal government previously applied to AT&T's long-distance telephone service back when it was a monopoly more than 50 years ago. Ostensibly, rate of return regulations gives government officials the power to review and approve or reject ISP rates. In reality, it basically guarantees ISPs government-enforced market protection and profitability in exchange for regulators ensuring that ISP that ISPs won't be too profitable. As explained in this 2014 post, rate of return regulations involves more than just telecom. It's an attempt to settle fights between producers and shippers 
whether those, whether those are farms, mines, and factories on one side, and railroads and shipping lines on the other, or in this case, Netflix and Hulu on one side, and ISPs on the other. In all those cases, the producers and shippers need each other to satisfy customers, but they fight each other to capture the larger share of consumer payments. If shippers can charge more, then farmers, factories, and Netflix must charge less in order to maintain the same level of sales. The political resolution of the producer-shipper fights was the, Internet, was the Interstate Commerce Act of 1887 and its rate of return regulations, which were initially written with railroads in mind. Similar efforts were later extended to trucking, air transportation, energy, and telecom. It took about 100 years for policymakers to accept that those efforts hurt consumers much more than it helped them, forcing on consumers too many bad providers with high prices and poor quality. Since 2007, Regulation has published seven articles on traditional telephone regulation and why such regulation would be inappropriate for the Internet. Here we go. Bruce Owen explicitly makes a link between the concerns of traditional transportation, common carrier regulation, and the contemporary notion of internet neutrality. Hal Singer and Christopher Yu agree that one-size-fits-all architecture, ar architecture my bad, that policymakers envision of the internet has been a myth for some time. Network providers employ an array of business arrangements and prices to manage congestion and maintain quality of service, but that diversity will be weakened by net neutrality rules. In another article, Yu notes that traditional return-of-rate telecom regulations assumes a monopoly service. The expansion of wireless high-speed Internet has allowed multiple competitive providers to offer service to a large majority of American consumers while restraining capital costs. Gerald Falber explains that service quality will suffer to the extent that the Internet access providers can't charge more for streams that impose greater costs on the system. Dennis Wiseman points out that Internet regulation will likely protect competitors from competition rather than serve consumer interests, just like the old telephone regulatory scheme did. And Larry Downs argues that the movement to re-regulate telecom is propelled by some firm's quest for rents under new regulation and by the FCC wanting to regain its former political power and the benefits that come with it. Very interesting article at Cato. Go search it on the internet. Why net neutrality is a problem. Then we have this Forbes article posted back in 2014. Again in their opinion section. Now this was written by Jeffrey Doffman. And he opened by stating, quote, President Barack Obama took the time this week to pressure the Federal Communication Commission, a technically independent government agency, to issue a set of net neutrality rules that he favors. Many others with a vested interest in equal Internet access for all are also joining in the game of lobbying the FCC for their preferred solution. However, all the noise and poor analogies being used cannot make the proposed net neutrality rules a good idea. Rather, it is just another attempt at government control and enforced equality in a realm where that makes little sense. Net neutrality seems like a simple concept. The company that links your computer slash tablet slash smartphone 
to the internet should not be able to discriminate among users and providers in the level of connectivity service provided. That is, we should all be able to send and receive the same number of bits of data per second. This is a bad idea for the same reason that having only vanilla ice cream for sale is a bad idea. Some people want and are willing to pay for something different. Forcing a one-size-fits-all solution on the Internet stifles innovation by blocking some companies from turning new ideas or business models into successful products. This article further goes on to state, Quote, the key point that President Obama has missed all along with all the rabid supporters of net neutrality is that ISPs and the companies that control the Internet backbone infrastructure that knits everything together do not have the power to pick winners and losers either. Consumers decide what products and services are successful because we adopt them. If an ISP blocks Netflix because of the bandwidth it requires, consumers who want Netflix will take their business elsewhere. If enough people do so, the ISP will have to change policies or go out of business. As the former chief econo economist, economist for the FCC, Thomas Hazlitt, pointed out this week in Time, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and many, many more successful stories of innovation all emerged without the benefit of net neutrality. In the time when the government might have been ensuring a level playing field for the Internet pipe, into our homes, smartphones and mobile devices completely changed how most people connect to and use the Internet. The problem with government regulation of the Internet is that by the time the government studies how it works and what is needed, technology has moved on. Who believes that the government can write regulation that will still fit the bill in three years when none of us know what the dominant formats, companies, and technology will be that far in advance? Given that the FCC has been proposing net neutrality rules for a decade with little success, why would we expect a change anytime soon? End quote. Basically, what I'm getting at here is I don't like jumping on bandwagons with, uh, with flashy words, catchphrases, and other things. The Internet. Mind you, here I, here I am, a small man who uses the Internet to put out this podcast and blog and use social media. Probably the most thing that I use the internet for is streaming stuff to my television. So hooking up my Xbox or my smart TV, because I have both. My Roku TV is a smart TV, and I have an Xbox. Uh, I go on Netflix. I watch the Blaze TV. Uh, I stream everything. I don't have cable television anymore. I get internet from Comcast. Why Comcast? Uh, before we dive into that... Um, Comcast is the only one that provides service in my area. So the competition factor is kind of dull right now. Um, I can be upset with Comcast, and I am upset with Comcast periodically. I do not really like them. I am not having a problem with them now, with just the Internet. Um, I was a Verizon guy. Uh, before we bought this house, I had Verizon Fios, and I loved it. Now I'm not having too many issues with Comcast, but I'm still I still don't think it's as fast or efficient as Verizon FiOS was. I call Verizon periodically and ask them when the hell they're setting up crap in my neighborhood, just for an example. But that's the the brunt of my internet usage is streaming. Do I want what I view on the internet protected? Like, do I want to be able to do whatever on the internet? Absolutely, I do. But 
to say that the government will have my best interests in mind and your best interests in mind and their best interests in mind, I doubt that. I always doubt that. I always tend to doubt that big blanket coverings is, is, is problematic. And the fact of the matter is the Internet has gone so long, so, so long, not with the special government protections in place that I question how useful and valid are they really and how helpful are they really. Let's face it. Everybody loves the Internet. Everybody's getting on the Internet. Everybody's wasting precious, precious bandwidth on the Internet at the end of the day. By the rules of competition, like right now, I can't really participate in competition. I think I could get, like, Dish TV, which would have Internet, but Dish TV would suck, in my humble opinion. That's why I don't have it. I don't have Direct TV because I think Direct TV sucks. I wouldn't have Comcast if I could not have Comcast. I don't have an option right now, and it sucks. Because I can't even get into like a bid war with them. I can't even negotiate a contract period with them at all. Because they know. They know that I have no other option. So, if they decided to block Netflix, for example, which would be a dumb idea for an internet service provider to do, and it would be a dumb idea for an internet service provider to ram charges against Netflix continually because that's what most people are using... Because Netflix would eventually have to raise their rates, they would lose customership, people would stream less, and the internet service provider would lose traffic, if that makes sense. So, where do I stand on this net neutrality thing? I'm telling you right now. I don't want the government and their dirty, dirty hands in my internet. I don't. And, to be fair... The market can play and work the way it needs to work, I believe, anyway. So this whole net neutrality scare that they're trying to get everybody on, I just don't buy. I really just don't buy. As a small person wanting to use the Internet, you can flash catchy phrases in front of me about how the government's going to protect my equal access to, you know, like, upload my podcast. Well, uh, at the end of the day, I go through SoundCloud. They're a service that's there that I can upload my files on. And it can go out to iTunes and all these other places, and people can download and people can download it, people can stream it, people can do what they want with it. I don't think a government protection is going to boost up or level the playing field of my access. My content is how I develop, how I promote. That's what's going to produce a good product. It's not going to give me a level standing. And if nobody's going to SoundCloud and SoundCloud folds, it is what it is. I have to think on my feet and find a market solution that would help me out. I don't think it's as easy as saying, support net neutrality. Don't let them take our internet. You're literally handing the reins over to the government to regulate it. And I think that is a bad idea. Now, let's quickly touch up on the GOP healthcare bill. You know, the bill that is going to kill like 10 or 20,000 people. I forget how many people Bernie Sanders said would die. We're taking away the health care. They're going to die. Everybody's going to die. If this GOP health care goes through, we are not a generous nation. We are not a generous people. We do not look out. We only look out for the top tenth of 1%. I should have been elected president. I can't believe y'all voted this idiot in. So, yeah, if the GOP passes the health care bill, a lot of people die, apparently. A lot of people lose health coverage, which 
let's step back. I have to argue against the point. There's a lot of people who just simply would not get coverage because they don't want, want coverage. Number one, we are fighting a battle, or rather, we're not. I'm not. People are fighting this battle of people wanting a a, a service. Healthcare is a is a service. We can say if we want to argue about whether or not it's a fundamental human right, it goes into this very nuanced argument of if it's you know, if it is a right, then how come there's doctors and nurses that are getting paid money to do this job or service, and if it is a right. How come they're not just doing it out of charity and all this stuff? It'll go into a nuanced argument so bad. It'll go so ingrained and in different areas that it will literally become what? Well, guess what? Do you have a right to water? Do you have a right to water? Yes or no. And if you do, what is your water bill? Why do you pay a water bill if you have a right to it? You know, and we'll argue all day and all night. You know, do you have a right to electricity? Or is electricity a thing that you're allowed to get if you want it? And if you don't want it, who cares? Do you have a right to electricity? Do you have a right to food? Do you have a right to food? Do you have an unalienable right to food? I would argue no, because you can't just walk into a store and buy food. Or rather, you can. That's what you have to do to get food. You walk in and you buy it, or you exchange food stamps, which has money backing and tax money and all that jazz. (laughs) You're exchanging for food. You can't just walk out and kill a deer because you need to go get a hunting license. You know what I mean? That type of thing. You don't have a right to food. You have to go out and, and barter, trade, or something for food. Even if you're doing it in your backyard, even if you're planting a garden in your backyard, do you have the right to the food? No, you have to go get the seeds. You have to go buy the seeds and buy the tools and create a ground for the food. You don't have a right to it. It's not just going to magically appear and the government's not going to bang a gavel and food's going to you know just appear on your dining room table. Same thing with water. You're not just going to turn on your faucet and have water. In fact, if you don't pay, they can shut your water off. Or you could live in Flint, Michigan and still not have clean water. I'm not covering that one again. So instead of having that debate and debating how many people would die or lose coverage or how many would choose not to have coverage and all that jazz, let's focus on this. Rand Paul has come out and said that the GOP health care bill, bill is not a repeal or a replacement of Obamacare whatsoever, or the ACA, if you want to be technical. He has said that. He has now said and stated that Mitch McConnell will n- fail to secure enough votes to pass the health care bill, which isn't that vastly different from the ACA anymore. Leading me to believe that we're back on this turf of... Are they going to let it fail? Are they going to sit here? Are they going to try to repeal it? Are they going to try to reform it? What are they going to do? Okay, right now, reported on the Hill, Donald Trump plans to meet with uh, a couple of key senators tonight and try to urge them to approve the health care bill. Um, two Republicans in, in question, uh, Rand Paul, of course, already named, and Susan Collins, already oppose the measures, meaning Senate Majority Liberal... 
I'm stumbling over my words today. Meaning Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell cannot afford to lose another vote and still get the measure passed. He's in dire straits. McConnell hoped to move forward but had to push that back because of Senator John McCain's health problems. Sean Spicer voice optimism stating that, uh, quote, we have every confidence in the majority leader's ability to get this done, yet Donald Trump's meeting with key GOPers tonight to try to push the health care bill, which is just a disaster, a disaster, a disaster, such a wreck. And it's insane. Meanwhile, meanwhile, while all this is going on, we have the Donald Trump Jr. story that broke that I I failed to cover, uh, I believe, last week. I think it broke between last week and now, so maybe I didn't fail to cover it. But Now, Donald Trump Jr. um, had email communications in a subsequent meeting with a lawyer that was connected to the Russian government, the Kremlin. Um, And now it's up in the air. Everybody's talking about... Everybody's talking about trying to get a criminal conviction on this. And here's the breakdown. In June... In the June 3rd, 2016 email chain, Trump Jr. released on Twitter, British publicist and former tabloid reporter Rod, Rob Goldstone told Trump Jr. the Russian government had, quote, some official documents and information that would incriminate Hillary Clinton. This is obviously very high-level and sensitive information, but is part of Russia and its government support for Mr. Trump. 17 minutes later, Trump Jr. replied, If that's what you say, I love it. Six days later, on June 9th, Trump Jr., then campaign manager Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and senior advisor, met with Natalia Veselitskaya, a Russian lawyer with ties to the Kremlin, at Trump Tower. Trump Jr. arranged the meeting with the expectation of receiving negative information the Russian government supposedly had about Hillary Clinton. These facts amount to probable cause that Donald Trump Jr., the Trump campaign, and likely Manafort and Kushner committed federal election interference in a violation of federal criminal law. Now, that line that I just read is bullcrap from HuffPo in the opinion section from a professor. I'll tell you this much. I'm starting to buy Glenn Beck's theory on this that I just listened to. He talked about it Friday. And the theory is, is I think, not. I mean, nothing is foolproof, mind you, but I think it's very interesting and probably holds some truth to it. Let me see if I can find the clip to play for you momentarily. The Blaze specifically. If you remember the New York Times report from a couple yeah. of years ago, they were intentionally mm. trying to play with the... Yeah. Uh, with the uh, uh, the discourse in this yeah. country by posting fake comments on the Blaze and other sites. Yes, they were going, and nobody wanted to believe that, that when these crazy conspiracies were being touted online by so-called Americans, and you, we all read them, and the, the spelling was horrible, yeah. and the mm-hmm. syntax was wrong, and we're like, boy, look how dumb these people are, huh? 
or maybe they're coming from Russia. The New York Times put that on the front page four or five years ago that Russian agents had infiltrated websites like The Blaze, named by the New York Times, that were posing as commentators. Well, that was the dry run for this. And if you just... It kind of does add up. Oh, it does. It I could does. Make, I'm telling you, I could do a George Soros chalkboard here and the the seven degrees of Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin. And again, and not, not condemn... Not condemning not, or, or accusing correct. the Trumps of anything. Correct. Not condemn the Trumps of anything. Well, you, you could certainly see... It's uh, there. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. And so it... We got to stop their, buying their It's either dressing. nefarious on their side and our side. It's either nefarious on mm-hmm. on Donald Trump's really side know. and the and Putin's, or the Trump family is just naive and they were played by a foreign state to win. And why? And what's the naivety there? That's because you have a situation where, look at what the Trump family is going through with this. And you might say this is unfair. This is ridiculous. The media is blowing it up into something it's not. The Russian government has held, has been able to hold over the Trump family's head this outrage for a year. A year. They could have released this and put it. They could have done it in October. They could have done it a week before the election. They could have done it whenever they wanted. So it puts the, the family in an impossible position to take a hard line on Russia. Yep. And that is why it's so dangerous. These people are smart. And I will say this as well, when you have a meeting and, you know, there's you have now disclosed today um, and it may be nothing that there was a translator and a lobbyist and a lobbyist has ties to, again, the Russian government, Um, although an American citizen, the the uh, the translator, there's a good excuse. The translator was approved by the State Department. Um, There's a lot of stuff there. Why? Would you release this email earlier this week and not tell us that there were additional people in the meeting? Why not get it all out? The meeting is known about. Why wouldn't you mention that there were two other people in this meeting? Here are their names. Why not that do that? It's just this constant it allergy to just be out there and just tell the truth. And it causes the trouble for both whichever side you are on. If you believe that Trump is evil... You believe they've hidden these last two because it's worse. Right. If you are on against the media, you believe the media hid this because it's worse. Why? Why? Why be secretive? Total transparency. You've already released an email confirming the meeting occurred and confirming that it was a Russian government source that you believe you were meeting with. You've, that's the worst part of the story. Why let them drip out? More stories for the rest of the week about the additional... How many people were there? I just saw another story that says there might have been an additional person there. There's already six in the meeting. The three Trump associates, and then the initial one we heard, the lawyer, one translator, and a lobbyist. A lobbyist for Russia. And the head of the KGB was also there. Yes. Head of the KGB. Also, also Ivan Drago was there as well. We should I, yeah, that I out. tell you, this was, is going to hurt, guys. This is going to hurt. This <laughs> is going to hurt. Jeff, Get out. Jeff Dunham was in the room. He had <laughs> the was... Osama bin Laden and a Stalin puppet oh, on no. his hands. Oh, no. So <laughs> there over. were seven, it's eight, over. nine people in that room now. Holy cow. It's, it's over. That's just, that's an interesting take right there. It's either nefarious or it's not. 
it's either the Trumps are gullible and naive or they're not. Um, there was a lot of, uh, when I say there's a lot of chicanery, a lot of trickery to this whole thing, part of it is realizing that before Trump was president, he was a businessman. So he had ties, and he had ties to these people, and they had meetings all the time. And how much of a federal crime is it to have a meeting with somebody who's connected with the Russian government who says they may have a file and then end up not having a file anyway? That that type of thing. And you know what's sad is that this Russia, this Russia business, I think it's serious for sure. They're doing things when it comes to nation's elections and election hacking, so to speak. They're, they're, they're running interference and all that. And But here we are, nitpick arguing over whether it's a good thing, whether it happened or didn't happen, whether it matters or it doesn't matter. And all the while, while this is going on, we aren't focusing on the fact that Healthcare reform is going nowhere. Tax reform is going nowhere. Uh, immigration reform is going nowhere. A bunch of stuff is going nowhere. Lost in the sauce of this whole Russia, Russia, Russia business. So there's more pieces to the puzzle. Who knows where we're going with it. But I can tell you this much. I'm ready to wrap. Guys, thanks for listening this week. I'm glad it could be more than just a little Fritzcast Fritz Forward. We went 40 minutes, and I'm happy about that. So uh, like this, share this, comment, let's talk, let's chit-chat about some of these things that are going on. Remember, Twitter is at FritzQS. Facebook is Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. And as always, the blog and main website, FritzCast.wordpress.com. Love you all, and I'll see you next week.